holiday tips and fun facts from Paul, Kristen, and Dexter at Total Wine & More. My friends still rave about the Prosecco I brought last year. Let me help make your Friendsgiving unforgettable. Bordeaux is one of the world's most popular red blends, made from Cabernet, Cab Franc, and Merlot. It also makes the perfect gift for your picky boss. Having turkey and all the fixings? I suggest an easy-drinking Pinot Noir. For white drinkers, try an unoaked Chardonnay. Whether you're entertaining or just bringing the wine, we'd love to share our always low prices and ridiculous selection with you this holiday. Now offering same-day delivery at TotalWine.com. Cheers! Buckle up, because Metro is bringing you the best deal in wireless. Switch to Metro and get your choice of two awesome free phones from top brands like Samsung and LG with huge HD screens and tons of memory for all your pics and videos. So hurry into Metro and get your awesome free phones only at Metro. Plus sales tax and activation fee. Requires port and of eligible number not currently active on T-Mobile Network or active on Metro in past 90 days. Limit four per account or household. Restrictions apply. See store for details and terms and conditions. This is the Formation Lab. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Formation Lab. I'm Luke. I'm Tim. And we're joined by a special guest to be revealed later, just like the Mouse tool in the Mickey Mouse Clubhouse. I'm throwing it way back for that one. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) All right, that's intense. That's an intense throwback. That's an intense throwback. Hey, speaking of intense throwbacks, let's talk about Mercedes. Oh. Oh. Yeah, let's let's actually, you know what? Let's not talk about Mercedes and their cosplaying. We're going to refer to that as cosplaying the entire week. <laughs> I, I can't disagree. That was odd to see uh, Total Wolf and suspenders, but you know, to each their own. And I yet, guess. And yet, I saw it. and I'm like, that's exactly what I needed in my life was Total Wolf and suspenders. Total I, Wolf. Yeah. <laughs> Get to the chopper. Total Wolf is one of those names where you literally just look at it and you're like, now that's a name. Uh, he's up there with like. Wolf Blitzer and Army Hammer. He's, he's, he's also, just like, what a name. <laughs> it, it is what a name, and he's also like 15 feet tall. So, <laughs> you know, what what a presence in the paddock. Oh, my gosh. This, this race, let's just start with this race, was, I would say, a, it approached the best of the decade. Like, Austria is out of the window now. Like, okay. I, I would say that this was better than Austria. I will have an argument later on as to why it isn't. Okay. But I will say it was very, very fun to watch. It was. It, it was great for the drama, great for the entertainment, mm-hmm. but I will say it wasn't great for the racing. Ooh, interesting, mm-hmm. yep. interesting. When I get, for, you know, to finish first, first you have to finish. I know, I know. But anyway, I'll make a more solid argument later on, maybe. But, or maybe it'll be bad and we'll have our... Uh, guest adjudicate that uh, that proceeding. Oh man, we we're gonna get into court legal cases soon here. We're gonna litigate. We're gonna go full Phoenix right pretty soon. <laughs> Let's get ready to litigate. <laughs> but uh, anyway, the 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 takeaway from this week for me is just like Formula One is three for three on races, and if Silverstone is your is your low point in these last three races, you're doing something right because Silverstone would be one of the better races of last season. Yeah, absolutely. And I I think for the racing, pound for pound racing with wheel to wheel action, I would put Austria and Silverstone above Germany. But not to say that Germany, Mm -hmm. Germany was perfect to show you to expose weaknesses. Yes. So um, I will will jump a little bit ahead here and just I mean, we've already kind of touched on it. So why why not go whole hog? We're going to have to triage this a little bit too much happened to kind of go through team by team and say here's what happened to them here's what happened to them so um 
first thing you do in triage in uh, medical care uh, when you have a big disaster is you triage and say, okay, these guys are gone. So, mm-hmm. you, and then you move on. So we'll start off with the three that we have deemed, uh, yeah, they're just that was just a disaster. There's no point in proceeding with them. And the first up is... For the first time. For the first time. It, relish this moment because you won't be able to say it for Lord knows how long again. Yeah. Mercedes. Yeah. They, they came into the weekend with their anniversary liveries, their cosplay, the <laughs> weird stuff going on. They were heralded. They're, it was just going to be a processional for them. They were geared for just, a, just an easy walk through the park. Can I just say, too, uh, total sidebar here. Their liveries, I thought they left a lot to be desired. They should have just done the whole car white and ditched the silver. They should. Um, just, just a throwback livery. Yeah. Do it, just do the full throwback and don't do the half whole. half and half. It yeah. looked like a jazz solo cup or whatever. You know, the 90s cup. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. That's the way the two liveries blended together. Or like any souvenir cup you see when a monster movie comes out with the claw marks on it. Yes. And they have like a different color above and below. It's mm-hmm. kind of funky like that. But... I think they got too they got so caught up in that that they almost got complacent with their dominance. Absolutely. And they, you know, I think complacency is their big thing and um, you know, you go from the high of qualifying again, they had uh, you know, the front row and uh, no, they didn't. The Hamilton front, Verstappen second, Botas third, Gasly fourth. So first and third, they still a great yeah. qualifying effort, really really solid. Um, I think We'll we'll touch on them a little bit later, but I was thrilled to see Honda up there on the front row. Mm-hmm. Holy cow! On a on a pound for pound fight in Germany, Honda took it to the Mercedes. That's yeah. awesome. So, but that, that's neither here nor there right now. And then we get to the race where literally it was Murphy's Law Sunday. Anything that could go wrong did go wrong. Mm-hmm. They, um, you know, seeing the pit crew so bewildered when it was a tire change that they knew was coming they didn't know he was going to wreck the car but they knew that he was coming for the tire change lewis did uh and went with that 50 second 56 um, seconds i think it was pit stop yeah it was a very very long pit stop like an uncharacteristically Mm -hmm. long like one of those you're seeing a rookie team for the first time really shake things out and that just doesn't happen in mercedes you don't that you don't expect that to be the dominant team it looked like that that pit stop specifically was more harmful to me than Lewis Hamilton's spin. Um, because Hamilton could have got back in and continued racing, and everybody spun, right? Everybody spun. Max, Max, Max Verstappen spun and won the race. Mm-hmm. Right. Everybody's going to spin. You can salvage a, a win from a spin, but you can't. I know that was, that was a nice little alliteration. I'm a poet, and I didn't even know I was rhyming the two things I was That's rhyming. That's what we should name the episode. The, spin it and win it. Spin it and win it. There we go. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I you can salvage it. You can salvage a win from a spin like that. And, and Max Verstappen showed us that, especially when half the field's doing it. But you can't then go on to make that 56-second pit stop. That's a race That's a race killer in and of itself. So I, what I don't want to hear is this talk, Lewis Hamilton blew this. I, I don't think I'm hearing too much of it right now. But Lewis Hamilton made a mistake. That, ev- that the entire field made that mistake. Exactly. Um, he's not. He's not a perfect driver. He's darn close to it. But at the end of the day, he made a mistake that everybody made. Right. And but it was it was the tires not being ready. It was the communication clearly not happening between the pit wall and the pit. 
Mm-hmm. It was, you know, bad strategy calls going on to medium tires when clearly you probably should have gone for the softs for a little bit more grip before it got totally dry out there. Yeah. Um, you know, and it was just overall, it was just a dog of a Sunday for them. That was, it, it was an apocalyptic thing. And I really, I, complacency, I think is the, is the right word. They were ready for a processional, the, 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 uh, garage was ready to just go out when they were ready to put out the tires that they wanted to, and then let them just go do their thing. And that was it. They weren't ready for the curveball of the rain. They weren't ready for the differing strategy calls. And I think for me, it was just just a bungling of it. And to see that Germany, as with the wet weather, really shook the daylights out of the Mercedes team. And I, I think it's going to be a good thing. If you watch the um, post-race interview with uh, Total Wolf. He gives this grin. It was, I think it was from uh, the social media uh, feed of Mercedes themselves. And he comes up and he goes, oh, it was a, it was a bad day. And he just kind of looks at him grinning. Yeah, bad day. Yeah. But Total Wolf is one of those managers where he's grinning, not because he thinks it's funny that it's an ironic twi- turn of phrase, but because he's probably got six or seven plans in his head on how to fix that mm-hmm. and be like, oh, I'm glad I saw this now because what happens, you know, if it because that that is rot when rot is current in a system, it's going to spread throughout the system like cancer and complacency is the killer of champions. Mm -hmm. So I think that that'll be a great thing eventually. I hope I okay. I don't think it'll be. I hope it will be the shock to the system that Mercedes would need to continue uh, fighting at their best because clearly. Uh, back home, their engineering department is not stopping. They aren't complacent one bit, but the garage crew might need might need a wake up call. It's interesting that you that you bring that point up because rot to me is kind of the kind of thing uh, Ferrari deals with on a regular basis, where we have these systems in place and it's just it's complacency because we're Ferrari because we're Ferrari, and and you kind of see that rear its head every once in a while. But usually rot kills somebody slowly, right? It kills its, this team slowly because by the time you identify that there's rot, it's already tank- you're already not first, you're fourth, you're fifth, and you're like, what's going on here? Mm-hmm. So in a way, Mercedes, if what you're saying, executive, if in a way Mercedes was gifted this, hey, we're just going to highlight this rot right here, this complacency, and instead of you figuring out about it when you're, you know, falling down the grid, you figure out about it while you're in top, while you're on top, and you can afford to lose like five races in a row or something like that. And there you go. Now you know how to fix it. And I think Total Wolf, uh, rough day, but I think you're right. I think he knows. Like he realizes there's a challenge, and he he relishes a challenge. Mm. He hasn't had a challenge for a long time. He's been. He's been fanboying everybody else, being like, please come challenge us, please. (laughs) Um, But they haven't been doing it. So I think that that's good. I think that Ferrari's rot suffers from a lack of, not a complacency that they're Ferrari and they're going to win, but from a lack of wanting to gamble and potentially lose their jobs. I think that there's a fear uh, that runs through Ferrari. Mm. And they, they are too afraid to make big, bold decisions because of the fear of getting the axe. And it's Ferrari. It is mm-hmm. the heart and soul of Italy. Mm-hmm. So to have that risk to not be able to work for Ferrari anymore is is too big a gamble to do anything that would ultimately win them something. So I think that that's why there is rot, not because of complacency, but because of fear. But, um, but the point stands, though, where you can see yeah. Ferrari slowly just fall to rot. 
And Mercedes just had an opportunity where they go, hey, here's all your rot right there. Boom, done. Take it out. And the Germans will do it. Uh, the um, Germans will do it ruthlessly and efficiency. efficiently. Efficiently. That's the thing. They'll yeah. do it efficiently. Well, here's the thing, too, is if we know one team on the grid who is like, oh, hi, here's here's an inefficiency. Here's something that's not working optimally. If there's one team on the grid who can just yank that out and add just the most precise level of detail to that, that is Mercedes. And yep. that is why they win. So it it really isn't a huge leap of the mind to say, yeah, that's going to get fixed. But yeah. then it'll be done by Hungary. Yeah. So um, but uh, that leads us nicely onto Ferrari. Too far gone this weekend, uh, even though the driver of the day was a Ferrari driver. But they have an abysmal qualifying session. Oh, that my sees goodness. Vettel not even starting, having to start at the back, not doing, <laughs> not getting, you know, into Q1. Yeah. Um, and then Leclerc not making it into Q3 uh, or and not posting a time. It's just, ah. Uh, and then Leclerc bends it uh, in a move that honestly was barely his fault. He barely touched the throttle. And mm-hmm. he just sent it, and it just sent it. He hydroplaned across the turn sixteen, I believe. Speaking it was. of which, that was the low point of the, uh, the GP to me was watching the audio afterwards of him going, "Come on, Charles!" And he realized yeah. like what he just did. Um, but here's the here, Ferrari very nearly escaped our wall of shame up here by the skin of their teeth because if Vettel would have spun, they're on the wall of shame. Yep. Um, and it's not even a thought like Vettel could have very easily spun. Everybody else did. This isn't a comment on whether or not Vettel's back. It's just he if he if if he didn't do what he did, they're back on the wall of shame. Ferrari just took a huge loss this weekend, and it was a very bittersweet, almost a pyrrhic victory uh, of getting him on the podium in second place. Because you're like, yeah, you're smiling through all these tears of the pain that happened this weekend. Yeah, but here's the thing: is that they Ferrari this time last year was riding high. Mm-hmm. They were, you know winning they were qualifying high they were doing great and then Vettel spun and crashed or no he didn't spin he just crashed mm-hmm. in Germany and then it just has been all downhill since then personally for me seeing him put in what I would expect out of a four-time world champion uh I, I have my note here is Vettel resurgent has he finally been like you know what this is my home Grand Prix I need to set this right Wait. I am Sebastian Vettel here's here's the gauntlet that's a um, that's a slump breaker if I've ever seen one because you oh, know yeah. that when he came in here you know that he was looking at um he was looking at this race like this is what everybody talks about having started my decline decline this is going to be a make or break because it, it if I don't do something here it's going to be Vettel has truly lost it it's been an entire season blah 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 and he he came in and he delivered I mean there's no other way to put it than he delivered. He's, so, you know, and I know that a lot of people are saying Max Verstappen, but for me, Sebastian Vettel was the driver of the day. To go from the back of the grid and weave your way through all that madness and finish second? Yeah. Holy cow. That was awesome. He had a hard he, you know, he's been up against it this whole past 12 months. And, you know, it, I just, I really like to see it. I wanted to root for the old pro and... Um, hopefully, hopefully that, you know, is the sign of better things to come of good things on the horizon. Could you imagine the points haul if Leclerc had, had actually finished and, uh, Mercedes, you know, hadn't done very well yeah, yeah, yeah. as they did. Yeah. It could, it could have been a, a huge points haul. I, <laughs> should we, should we bring up the tweet? I almost made. <laughs> 
Hey man, it's your gamble. I I I almost tweeted. I'm like, you you really have a heart. Your heart's broken for Ferrari. It almost looks like they just want to throw themselves in front of a car. They're just so down and depressed about these, uh, about their results lately in qualifying. Of course, they don't want to throw themselves in front of their own cars because their own cars won't go anywhere. <laughs> but. <laughs> But hey, he put it on the second second he step. He so did, and he put it on he the second made it go step. Somewhere. So Ferrari, you know, like I said, it's a pyrrhic victory. It at the end of the day, it, you know, it, it came at a great cost. But you want like it, it, without a doubt, it was a good result. Yeah, I, and I don't think it wasn't a cost in that. You know, Leclerc had to do it to you know do whatever, mm-hmm. bring out a safety car to let him you know back it up. I think that it was it was a good salvage. It was a really good salvage, and to be honest, as someone who really wants to root for Sebastian Vettel, I'm thrilled. Um, and then, you know, that because that claimed a lot of people. It claimed Valtteri Bottas, who sent it into the wall. Mm. That well, was, And that's a guy who can handle any spin. Yeah. So you know that if Bottas can't, can't control that spin, then yeah. it's over. And maybe he pushed a little too hard. Yeah, I get it. But, you know, it, it was a day for high-class drivers to really shine when by my count seven drivers dnf'd uh it's no longer the fault of any one driver when you put it into the wall with seven drivers dnf and a majority of those are at one corner and you make that same mistake it's not on you anymore charles leclerc it's just that's the nature of the race today it was hulkenberg it was botas it was leclerc it was it was some high it was talent hamilton. it was hamilton yeah <laughs> um so but yeah no um so I, that those are the two uh, front runners, and then for the last for of the last our too far gone, too far uh, gone racers. Oh triage. my gosh, Renault! My Oy. my goodness! All right, so Renault is up for our wreck of the week, and they're a nominee, and they're a strong nominee because Ricardo biffs it in qualifying. There's just well, he no he admits to, to it. He yeah. he messed up turn twelve, is yeah. what he said. Um, so he probably took a wrong entrance, and then that really messed up his exit into uh, into the next complex. So, you know, it's it's hard to think of where they probably would have done gone. But then during the race, he was he had a spectacular engine failure. Like I haven't seen that much smoke coming out of the back of the car since Lewis Hamilton, like five years ago. When they were still trying to master the hybrid engine, it looked like a vaping convention. Like it, my word, yeah, it was just in, an explosion. In fact, in fact, our our mystery guest here, I'll introduce him, Dylan. He he's over here. Uh, Dylan is one of our uh, just a, our group of guys who text. Dylan keeps us up to date on a lot of news. He brought us a very special gift. We'll get to later. Dylan, do you remember we were at a we were at a race at Gateway where the I vape I vote uh, truck was, and uh, it blew an engine. I think that was the that uh, it's the most smoke I've seen since the I vape I vote truck. Do you remember that? Yep, and that was a highlight of my life. Really. <laughs> so ironic. Uh, the I vape I vote truck uh, blows up. There's smoke everywhere, and you could just hear like thousands of people. We get it, you vape. <laughs> <laughs> all right, already we get it. But uh, but anyway, back to but Renault. Yeah, so Renault, that it was just a it it was really hard to see because i was and i was gutted for him because i knew that he wanted to do well and he does okay in yep. white weather races but it it really brings to mind the fact that that renault engine has not become more reliable over the years you're no. thinking i'm thinking of the immediate thing that comes to mind is max verstappen on like his fifth dnf of the 2017 season when that renault engine went bang again so you know you start to think well 
what does it take for Renault to make that engine more reliable? What does it take for them to see the problem and to fix it? Like, how long do they need? And, you know, it for someone, for two drivers of Nico and Ricardo's caliber to have that, you know, problem plague them like that is, it's deeply sad. It's, it really breaks your heart. It's like those guys deserve to be on the top step. They're putting, they're driving the rivets off the car. And, you know, aside from the odd mistake here and there, you know, they're really, really good, you know, contenders and to see you know and then yeah you go into nico and he had that mistake in again turn 16 and um you know it was heartbreaking because he could have scored his first podium of his career he has the longest streak of not getting a podium in formula one ever Ugh. and that streak continued and you're just like it's his home grand prix could this be happening oh my god it could be happening oh 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 no no Come on. And like, then, that guy has the worst luck of all mm-hmm. time. And then if Renault did, needed an extra kick in the knackers, uh, their van... <laughs> yeah, the the end of their weekend was not the end of the race. <laughs> no. No. Their, their big hauler, uh, I don't know if the cars were in it, I would presume. I think they were. It was, it was either the car been. or all their pit stuff. Yeah. Um, on the, the way to Hungary for this weekend's Grand Prix. Crashed. <laughs> crashed. It, into the woods. Yeah, into the woods. It, it looked pretty bad. They said... Luckily, everybody was okay, and you know everybody got out of it uh, alive and well. But it looked like it was just a single car accident, and and he just bended into the woods. And I gotta wonder. Uh, you you hope if you're Renault that it's I don't know if it was the pit stuff or the cars. You hope it's the pit stuff because the cars cannot take that kind of jostling. Let me yeah, tell you. The, all of a sudden, they're like, oh, we need new uh, gearboxes. We yeah. need new power units. Oh no. But what's what's the theme we've had from Renault this whole season is where is that might of Renault? Because they are... The might of the manufacturer that right. the now sacked and suing Ricardo advisor talked about. We, you know, we went to Renault and we, we saw the might of a manufacturer. Really? Where? Yeah, where are they? Because they're not, in, they're not showing up in reliability. They're not showing up... They, they, they they're not s- showing up in power. They're not yeah. showing up in reliability. They're they, not showing up in the chassis department. Mm-hmm. They're just not moving anywhere. Yeah. And for a team of of that caliber, that's just unacceptable. I know Auto Motor und Sport, uh, Amos, <laughs> the uh, you know, the uh, German publication. Uh, I speak a little bit German, so I might add some flair going and going from here on out in our show. But uh, I know they said that Renault had said they claimed that earlier this season they broke a thousand horsepower, but <laughs> Ferrari and Ferrari and Mercedes have no quote on 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 if they uh, have no quote on how they've how or when they've reached it. But it's just like, first off, yeah, okay, maybe you do break a thousand horsepower, but whatever the rest of the engine is doing is not working. The rest of the car is doing is not working. You can. You could strap a thousand horsepower engine on a freaking go kart, and that doesn't make it as you know quick. <laughs> yeah, and you know Mercedes with their recent update talked about how in qualifying modes you could get one thousand twenty six horsepower. Mm-hmm. I don't believe for one second that Renault somehow has that. No, <laughs> not not no. Yeah, just no. I, yeah, it, you just. And so let's suppose they do get a thousand horsepower. They're they're vis- the visually when you watch them race, they don't they seem like a freaking customer team, right? Like they don't. Yeah. There's just no oomph when you see 
that Renault car. It, if instead of meek, instead of might, it's more like meek. Yeah, it is. The meek of a manufacturer. It's just, it's not there. And it's just kind of, you know, it, it's put up or shut up time. And uh, it was announced today, breaking news, uh, that um, Alan Prost was given an official position. He's not just an advisor anymore. He's going to be uh, kind of similar to what Nicky Lauda was for Mercedes. Mm-hmm. So maybe that'll help. Who knows? At the very least, it seems to signal that they are aware that there's something and they want to improve Or it. that there are changes coming. And mm-hmm. as as much as I enjoy Sierra Labitable, at some point, you know, you have to look at the management and, um, you know, the reliability at this point is, is a punchline. It, I mean, it really is. It's ridiculous. Uh, let's... Let's, get, let's head back to the top real quick and go through uh, with our triaging and uh, let's go with the teams that had a mixed bag, the ones that were salvageable. I'll start with uh, McLaren. Uh, they had a lackluster qualifying for the first time in a little bit, and their their race wasn't great. Uh, Lando DNF'd, uh, <laughs> won the radio call of the day, though. <laughs> God, that was so funny. He <laughs> uh, is so funny. He is hilarious. Yeah. Uh, the, Carlos went on to a respectable uh, fifth-place fi- finish. It the problem with a fifth place finish is if you're racing in an Austrian, you get a fifth place finish or a, a Great Britain. I keep wanting to say England, but I know it's of Great Britain. It's confusing to an American here. But uh, if you're in a Great Britain, that's a, that's a good finish. But this is this is a week where Toro Rosso found a podium and Racing Point found their way into fourth and almost on a podium if Ferrari didn't no, charge no. up. Not just any Racing Point. Lance Stroll. Lance Stroll. Lance right. Stroll, who I – and you know what? I will take it back for this week. Well done, Lance. Well done, Lance. You have – you did a you did a great weekend. Mm-hmm. Good for – you got out of Q1 for the first time yeah. in, a, like, 15 races. Good for you, buddy. Way to go. And then he actually had a really good drive. <laughs> it was really, really good. He did. So He I, played defense really well yeah. against, uh, you know, the Ferrari of Leclerc. He played – uh, he was making passes that were respectable, and he finished just off the podium. Yeah. Well done. Uh, you know who didn't have a great week? Sergio Perez, and that's why Racing Point, uh. a.k.a. Force India, are in our mixed bag here. Sergio Perez, who we all consider to be the better one uh, of the two. No, no, not consider. He is yeah, I mean, the better driver. Yeah, okay. That's just period. That's just an end of it. Uh, he said he made a, a, a He said he made a terrible mistake and, and really— was down on it, but I feel bad for him feeling that down on on making that mistake because, again, turn 16 was a a word I can't say in a half, all right? Like, like it was so hard. Like, it's okay. It's okay, little one. (laughs) Yeah, it's all right, Sergio. It claimed everybody else, too. Yeah. It's fine. So Racing Point had a mixed bag, but I think if you're Racing Point, you're just over the moon that you were competing for a podium and you still got fourth. Yeah, which is which is why back to McLaren, their finish in fifth was lackluster because their their rivals finished even higher. Yeah, but I I will say that I'm I'm glad to see at least some consistency. Mm-hmm. Um, and whenever Lando's down, Carlos is there to pick it up. If yep. if Carlos is down, Lando's there to pick it up. They're a great team. Yeah. Um, Haas. Oh, they're on our wall of shame. But Ugh. you know, it wasn't. Okay, yeah, there was a little bit of crashy, crashy stuff, and yep. uh, Gunter Steiner's going to do Gunter Steiner things and cuss them out and probably, you know, instill team orders. But we I got hope news on that later. Yep. Um, but it, it, it was actually an okay weekend. It was. Uh, Roman Gershon 
uh, was in Melbourne spec because uh, you you'll remember or Melbourne spec Melbourne Melbourne, uh, but you'll remember that uh, they got no that, sound, that was a, that sounded like we were both trying to be the Beatles <laughs> Melbourne uh, yes it's a really groovy time there up in Melbourne oh <laughs> anyway but uh, he got uh, Grosjean got reverted to Melbourne spec I, I'm gonna try and say it like the locals do oh god and uh, <laughs> Lord help us and he you know he qualified sixth and. Uh, didn't have too bad of a race, really. He finished seventh. Yeah. That's a pretty good weekend. The only issue for Haas that makes the mixed bag is Magnuson and Groshan got in it again at the hairpin. <laughs> yeah, and you know what? You can fix that. I'm thrilled to see him come out this far. So I would say it's more good than bad more this good than weekend. Bad, certainly. Cute, and I'm really excited to see if they carry it on in Hungary. And here's something um, I'm interested in, in this thought line here is if they reverted Grosjean to first race of the season spec, right? And he went from barely being ahead of Williams to being ahead of, uh, you know, Williams, Alfa Romeo, uh, one of the Red Bulls. Uh, he, he was ahead of all of these other teams. What's that say about your, if, if you're Renault, right? I think we could safely say that Renault might have shuffled in back behind Haas or, if you're Alfa Romeo, let's say Alfa Romeo, what's that say about your line of development that they went back to the car that they raced in the start of the season and they beat you in it? I think it says that you were supposed to come out and do really, really well as the Haas team. And instead of going forwards, you went backwards with the updates you brought. So, you know, because the, the updates can cut both ways. Yeah. Um, the data doesn't always go go your way. So, you don't, I don't know. You don't think, I think it reflects negatively on Alpha because I think it reflects negatively on the Alpha. I think Alpha is a grid. is supposed to be a backmarker team. Mm-hmm. And they have outperformed everything wildly. I'm thrilled to see Kimi Raikkonen bring that team to where it is. Um But that know, tells me that Alpha in all of their updates they've brought, or Renault in all of their updates they've brought, still hasn't touched what the default Haas was. And is that does that say more about them, or does that say more about what the original design of the Haas was? It's impossible to say. We're, ta- we're this is all conjecture at this yeah, point. This, this is, is all just hypothetical yeah, stuff. It, but I think, I think it's an indictment of the development team at Haas, and mm-hmm. I think it's an indictment of um, the rest of the field that you know Haas could have been a whole lot more this year. This was the lost promise. Um, so, you know, it it cuts kind of both ways. But speaking of Alpha. Alpha did have uh, a great qualifying and overall race. Letdown for them was, um, I'm not quite, I haven't actually dug into the penalty, but they did receive a 30-second penalty each. It was, it was an illegal clutch. They, they altered their clutch, and uh, they found that it was not, it would have helped them, I think, on race starts. Um, and they found that, you know, they docked them 30 seconds each. Um, yikes. Pretty hefty. Yeah, that's a hefty. That's a, that's hey, a big slap. We'll have to talk about fines later, too. Um about penalties. That's a big slap for a clutch. It is. And it, you and know, it just so happened to help Lewis. That's interesting. Oh, hmm. Yeah, that that really because it, they shuffled them both out of the points in a week where they actually could have got points. Yeah. Which is not a given for Alpha. Alpha does not get points every week. So, no. and so and but otherwise really hurts. It was a good it was a good race for a good weekend for them. Yeah. Williams uh, I haven't put this on here, but I am thrilled that Robert Kubica got his first point, and he beat George Russell to it. Way to go! At a boy, at a boy. Uh, Williams' first points, well deserved. I, here's the thing: um, is I'm not going to make the claim that Williams, you know, is the best team. No, 
No, they're not. They're very obviously the worst and slowest car on the grid. But they put a lot of work in, and if you, have you seen their pit stops? Give them a pity point for crying out loud. Or, and it's not just a pity point. Like, they're working hard. Good yeah. for them. I'm yeah. thrilled. I, I hope they come back uh, yeah. stronger. Um, but the F1 segment, I wanted to have a bit of a debate. Oh, uh, we haven't talked about the true winners. Oh. Yeah. We, well, I almost skipped over that. I do apologize. We've, we've triaged. We've triaged, and now we have to go to the healthy people. Yeah, the people who Except are... Except for, you know, you have a little bit of a problem. Yeah, yeah, this is this is yikers. Every driver for the house of Red Bull, including Toro Rosso, because let's just be honest, had a great weekend. Yeah. Except for Pierre Gasly, who... He he's reverted back to regular Gasly guys. Sorry, Yikes. it's not it's not Silverstone Gasly. He's just Gasly Gasly. It's funny. Everybody else who DNF'd got a not not classified an NC. Pierre Gasly DNF'd and got classified fourteenth. He didn't even get a not classified. <laughs> Oops. Uh, that's a kick in the teeth. Uh, that's um, a real kick in the knackers, brah. But, yeah, uh, but he he just wasn't driving it well. He got passed by Alex Albon. And Daniel Kvyat in the far inferior Toro Rosso cars. Yeah, these are this is your this is your you know triple A team beating up on you. Yeah, this is the yeah this is the Memphis Redbirds beating the ever loving daylights out of the front starting Cardinals. Yeah, like you that just doesn't happen. Yeah, um, but uh, Albon, uh, I was thrilled that he raced like a true veteran in his first ever wet f1 grand prix it was the first one he's ever done in an f1 car he handled it P6. like a season pro P6. at p6 it was really really great uh verstappen i you know i really ragged on you know uh, verstappen for a long time you know when we first started talking in the race group like a year or two ago i didn't like him very much i thought he was very crashy i thought he was very hot-headed this is a completely new seasoned fast max this is someone who is who is level-headed and learns every lesson i was going to say so one of the things i was going to text you guys was this seemed to me like a verstappen that was a veteran drive was Mm -hmm. what it was was i can't i don't want to make the flashy moves i don't want to make these flashy moves because you know what the situation doesn't call for it, and I'm not sure that that's what. And there's Verstappen, a whole lot on the line, right? And I'm not sure that's what Verstappen of a year or two ago would have done. No, and you know, so it was really cool to see him evolve. We're watching our little boy mature right before our eyes. <laughs> uh, look at him! Look at him get so big and fast. Um, but uh, it was a really, it, w- it really was a perfect drive for yeah. him. Um, and then uh, the one, uh, probably my favorite story from the weekend, Daniel Kvyat. Had his first child Saturday night, and won and got on this podium for the second ever podium for the Toro Rosso team in their existence. It was Sunday. Yeah, it was. It was the better. It was a long time since the last one too. I, I think it was like eleven years. Uh, Two thousand eight, and it yeah. was Sebastian yeah. Vettel. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't seem like. Uh, it doesn't seem to me like Toro Rosso has been around for eleven years. But here we are. It feels weird, doesn't it? Does, it? it does. Uh, Daniel Kvyat, uh Christian Horner. I read today said Daniel Kvyat should have more kids. <laughs> if, if that's if that's what's going to happen. Christian, we're going to have to have a conversation about things you shouldn't say in the press. The, the birds in the now now when a driver loves his wife very much. <laughs> And that is, uh, it is the grandchild of uh, Nelson Piquet. Ah. So that is going to be one fast kid. I don't care if it's a boy or a girl, put it in a go-kart. It's going to be fast. (laughs) Um, But, Uh, 
Yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, he's uh, Kvyat to me this weekend really removed all questions about who, you know, does Pierre Gasly need to be replaced and who does it? It's Daniel Kvyat. He he has more than earned his second shot uh, by by far. He, he drove a, a minor league team, a, a, a B team, a, you know, development team onto the podium and beat the tar out of your, you know, starting F1 driver, your star uh, Pierre Gasly. Yep. There's no question about it anymore. And he did it and he did it for the second time. Yep. And that just shouldn't happen. Yeah. Um but I, I love but I, I think you're absolutely right. I think he came out this weekend and the question was who should replace him? He just kinda put his, you know, helmet on the table and said, Me. Yep. And in the most emphatic of ways. I was thrilled. I don't think on the grid right now, I don't think there's a cooler career story than his. Mm-hmm. To go from Toro Rosso heralded as the next, uh, you know, big prodigy to come up. He's going to be awesome. He's, you know, quickly c- comes up to Red Bull and he gets the torpedo nickname from Sebastian Vettel, the former Red Bull driver. And then it's just all downhill from there. He's demoted back to Toro Rosso and he's unceremoniously cut to be left out in the cold to wither and die like so many other F1 careers. He somehow, you know, finds shelter in a Ferrari simulator drive. Yeah. Okay. Sounds good, I guess. And, but then he comes back to Toro, so they give him another shot. And he has delivered in spades. I really think he'll be, if he's not in that, in the Red Bull car by Spa, I'll be stunned. And I'll be wondering what Helmut Marco's thinking and why he thinks that's a good idea. You know what makes a great nickname for a guy who goes fast? The Torpedo. And I honestly think that's going to be his unironic nickname going forward. And like, in, you know, in, in about twenty years, he it's going to be it like, around. yeah, it's like this guy's a torpedo. At, you know, he's because he's fast. And it's going to be an interesting trivia thing that it actually was because he wrecked a lot, <laughs> wrecked people. Uh, yeah. So I hey, and Honda power proves reliable again. Not so much GP two, two out of the last three places. They're in two out of, out of the last three races. They're in first place, and emphatically so. How many? How many Honda cars? We're in the top five. Uh, let's count. Uh, Max Verstappen, Daniel Kvyat. Uh, Alex, or top six. So half of the top six yeah. are Honda cars. Yeah. That's wildly impressive. Mm-hmm. So good for Honda. That's that's so cool. Yeah. Uh, so you wanted to end on a little debate. We got a little time left on this segment. Let's let's debate. You let's fight? do it. What, yes. what was it you wanted to fight about? The thing I want to fight about is that this race was great for entertainment. But not great. Silverstone was better for wheel to wheel, true blue racing because you're not, you know, getting there on the merits of how you're driving. You're not getting, you know, past somebody uh, on the merits of, um, you know, the car, your talent. You're getting past people because of random chance. Okay. All right. All right. Uh, Dylan, your mic is on. You're, you're, you can weigh in on. The, we're, we have a voting majority with three here. Yes. So. Uh, I will go first, okay? I, like many true red-blooded Americans, am oh, a God. fan of a good old-fashioned American crap show, all right? I like my crap wild. I like it unpredictable. Some would say that that is very IndyCar fan of me, and I would say you are correct because that is what appeals to me about IndyCar. It, it is not the driver personalities because they're all pretty likable guys. What appeals to me about IndyCar is... Whatever I'm going to watch, I'm going to watch a beautiful mess of a race that I don't know who's going to win, but it's just going to – I don't know if mess is the right term, but 
it's unpredictable. It's wild. There's going to be entertainment on the screen constantly until from start to finish, right? I will not argue that in terms of wheel-to-wheel, clean, good old-fashioned, blue-collar racing, we're going to talk, you know, Silverstone was better. Um, I would say Austria was better. 100%. Um, I would say Austria is better than Silverstone, however. But uh, the thing is, though, is every once in a while, I just like entertainment for two and a half hours because the race went long because of rain. And by golly, it was like watching it was like watching The Dark Knight the first time. You're just glued to the TV and you're just like two and a half hours of, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, this is this is incredible. And that is why I think it was a more entertaining and I liked it better than the other two because it was a breath of fresh air. Okay, fair enough. But what I the argument I will make is that it was good for entertainment because of random chance. The reason that you like IndyCar is because the racing is always so close, and it could be anybody at any given Sunday. Mm-hmm. It's not, you know, just some random chance thrown in. So the reason that you enjoy it is because the racing is so much better. The racing was better in Austria and Silverstone, and I think that that's, a, that's the route we need to go with F1 as a sport. Whereas if we're just throwing in water and random chance, who knows? Place your bets. You know, we're playing craps at the table. It might go anyway. <laughs> Who knows? It's while that is entertaining and fun, it is not good for the overall health of the sport to rely on that entertainment factor to come in. It's incredible that you said craps because I was about to say earlier when we were talking about the, the race at the start that most F1 races feel like a poker hand. You're dealt a hand and you know that you might have the worst hand there, Williams, right? And you know that what you have but it's all about how you play it, right? It's all about can I beat the guy who has a pair of jacks with my pair of tens? Even though my car is not as good, I can may, might be able to outmaneuver him. And I was about to say that this just felt like everybody got together in a back alley dice game and just went, "Oh, I got a twelve, I win!" Right? Yep. Like, like, and it, it is. It was a lot like that. Very entertaining, has its place, mm-hmm. but it is overall not as good for the sport as. Silverstone was. Okay. But I will say that Silverstone and Austria really gave me a lot of hope for the future. And seeing the designs, which I think we're going to go over uh, on an, in an episode or two during the summer break, um, about the aero regs that's going to allow closer following, that's going to allow um, you know less shenanigans with dirty air. It's going to be a lot of fun moving forward um, when we get rid of you know the things that make it artificially good and entertaining for that quick thing and make it more entertaining um, moving forward for not just everybody at home, the casual list looker on, the casual fan, but um, for people that really, truly enjoy racing. Um, it's going to be great, great uh, times ahead is what I'm saying. So I think that while it's entertaining, not the greatest racing, not the greatest race of the decade um, like I, some others have been. I, I'm i not going to call it the greatest race of the decade. I, I in my opinion, am saying it might be the most it might, it's among the most entertaining. It's among not, the most entertaining, and it goes. It's right up there with Canada 2011. It's right mm-hmm. up there with Inter- entertaining and race are two different things. Dylan, true. your opinions here. So that was one of the most fun races that I have ever watched. And so let me preface that by saying that I am a diehard Formula One fan in the making. So within the past, I would say two to three years, I've really started to get into Formula One. So. 
Um, my history with F1 does not go back far, but I have been a racing fan my entire life. That race was amazing. And for me, what made it amazing was not necessarily the, the random chance or the, the wrecks and whatnot, but it was just the level of uncertainty and the strategy that was going into play. And drivers were and drivers and teams were scrambling to go into the pits, put different tires on, come back out. And so you had drivers on intermediates, you had drivers on slicks, and it, it was phenomenal to watch um, just because you didn't know what was going to happen. So would you say better race? Not more entertaining, better race, Austria or or Germany? It, for me, it's tough because I enjoyed the, um, the, the edge that the drivers were on, especially whenever they were on slicks. And the track was drying, but it was a very thin line. So whenever they were making moves and whatnot, it, there was no room for error at all. And so... Overall, I think the the quality of the racing was not phenomenal, but it, every little thing had so much weight that I think it, it made it feel a, a lot better than it, it maybe actually was. Okay, That's an interesting differentiation. I like that. I, I like that. Too. So I think I think I think I'm gonna I'm gonna s- plop us down, and I'm gonna, just gonna say this, and I want a yes or no from from everybody involved here. All right. Most entertaining race? Uh, among the most entertaining races, yes. Among the, be- among the best races, no. I because agree. they're two different things. I, I'm kind of, I'm still on the edge on that because I like to see the entire gambit of, of strategy, of just the, the drivers. I mean, that looked grueling for the drivers. So mm-hmm. if it, not even just from a chaos point of view, but just drivers going through the paces and facing everything. And for me, that was uh, it was so fun to see because of the on and off rain. Uh, so uh, here's here's what I just had this uh, this analogy revealed to me. Um, I played chess in high school. Uh, I sucked, but I was in chess club. All right, and you can play a round of chess, and you can think about every move you know, ahead of time and think about the optimal move for minutes, you know, and or you can use a timer, but you can still have a decent amount of time. However, this was like giving your opponent five seconds to make a move, which is just speed chess. It's just bam, 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 bam. You make a lot more mistakes, and at the end of the day, your opponent beat you, but he didn't beat you he he beat you by out strategizing you, yes, but he also beat you because he out strategized you by being quicker on his feet, and I think that's that's kind of what what Dylan's getting at here is it's not a lack of strategy; it's just a different form of strategy. That's fair. Right. That's fair. All right. So, uh, cool. ha- have we wrapped that up? I think so. All right. <laughs> that that is the end of it, and now we have something very very cool coming up. We, we do. Um. So we will get right back to it. Right here on the Formation Lab on 101. The Formation Lab. Welcome back. It's time for the news. The news. First up, we have Alpha Romeo. Ooh, has, that was nice. Has, has recruited Alessandro Cinelli from uh, Ferrari to take on the role of head of aerodynamics. Now, this, yeah, as I say, this comes, uh, Simone Resta left the director which is the big the, the big guy um he left that and he this is his last month uh when the summer break comes he's gone 
so they promoted uh, Jan Mancho, I think is his name. Jan Mancho from head of aerodynamics to replace technical director. Mm-hmm. And so now they have a, a blank in head of aerodynamics and they sniped a guy from Ferrari. Uh, sniped or Ferrari said, hey, go help out our junior team. Yeah, um, that's true. Yeah, uh, because I believe that's what happened with Fred Vasseur, um, who that is one of, uh, you know, as a manager myself, I really enjoy watching good management. So Fred Vasseur going in and taking Sauber from what they were to what they are, arguably one of the sexiest teams on the grid. Like, holy cow, that's a cool team. Mm. Um, you know, I, I, I really admire that. And so he, but that I believe was a Ferrari order. Hey, go do this. And he did it. And that it's going to be a similar thing. They're going to go do that and have a uh, more proper uh, young driver program coming up. Uh, you know, this is actually a, a, a really good move if you're Alpha. Alpha has – Sinelli uh, brings 17 years. He's had 17 years with Ferrari. Um, it's so you know he knows a thing or two about what works on the front of the pack and what doesn't and – it's a good it's a good hire. It really is. Uh, I don't hate it. And it's a small push in the right direction. And uh, they're currently tied for ninth place in the in the drivers uh, champion or in the constructors championship with Haas. This might be something that later in the season when they have new aero pack, when they have a new aero uh, improvement, you might see that be the push above Haas. Yeah. And the thing is, is that the mid pack is still so tight mm. that um you know, any any change in fortune could play to their favor. Yeah. So, um, you know, it's, I think it's a right the right move at the right time. Obviously, you know, the aerodynamics isn't going to change a whole lot. There's a philosophy with this car already for 2019. So this is going to be more in effect for the 2020 car. Um, and they're gonna they're starting production on that. I'm sure here in the next right now. Yeah. yeah. Um, so they're gonna start design. They're gonna start doing all that stuff. But if he can make uh, some changes to the car as it stands with some of the knowledge he has from Ferrari, then, hey, go for it. Yep. Um, you know, it would be pretty cool, I think, uh, as I'm pulling up the constructor uh, standings here. The top is Toro Rosso Honda uh, is right behind McLaren. So McLaren is best of the rest in fourth with 70 points. Uh, Toro Rosso Honda, 42. Renault, 39. Racing Point, 31. Haas, 26. Alpha, 26. Williams, one. Un. But you know, um, but you could you could arguably uh, probably make it up to just behind McLaren, if not take on McLaren yeah. uh, in the second half of the year. Uh, yeah, Haas, uh, Racing Point, and Renault are all very easy targets. Um, Toro Rosso, I think, is the guy you're gonna is by the end of the season probably the one you're gonna go fist to fist with. Yep. Um, but and, I mean, if we're talking that you know Red Bull Honda could have caught Ferrari with a gap of you know, 40 some odd points, you know, that's definitely doable for alpha, but yeah, um, yeah I want Red Bull Honda up there so much farther. <laughs> uh. Oh my. So uh, that w- that was now to move on to some more interesting drama news. I, I, oh. I, I do like, I do like it when our news is as cut and dry as that um, because there's, I, you do get a little tired of endless drama sometimes, but then you realize that part of the reason you love formula one is because there's a never ending stream of drama. Gunter Steiner. Gunter Steiner. Anyway, <laughs> I'm trying to I'm trying to make him the opening to uh, make his name the opening to uh, what is it by Def Leppard? Uh, Something. Yeah. yeah. Um, Gunter Klippen, Klappen, Globen. Yeah, but yeah. Gunter is 
if anything happens to him and his employment, I will be so upset. Yeah, he is awesome. I don't think Gunter is the team is the problem of the team because he said he's considering team orders on his two drivers in Hungary. Uh, of course, Grosjean and attempted to back Magnussen on the outside of the hairpin uh, in Germany, and they made contact as they turned in for the corner. No damage sustained. They're very lucky it was wheel to wheel. Um, because I'm sure ugh, you could have seen bombs going off from Haas from miles away. You could have heard in North Carolina. Yeah, you could yeah. have you could have heard the echoes of yelling in mountains. <laughs> um, in in but, Europe, yeah, yes, you could hear it from yeah, that. you could hear from Europe. Uh, at the moment, I have nothing more to say because I'm not really prepared. I saw it on TV. This is Gunter, by the way, but I didn't see any more replays. It is not in the. I was just in the debrief, so I will see what the next. Step side, you because know, it's not acceptable. We cannot keep running into each other every race. It's getting old. I'm just going to call the race. That's my job now. Tell them what to do. And he should. He's the boss. <laughs> He's the boss. They need to follow the rules. But and he, if they cannot respect the terms of engagement, then they need to be throttled. Yeah. And you know if it if it results in you know a predictable outcome for the team then so be it if they want kmag in front then kmag will be in front and if grosjean it'll, it'll let the drivers know where they stand if all of a sudden grosjean finds himself being told uh you know uh, magnuson is faster than you <laughs> then um you know probably game over for his ride so yeah. uh you have a feeling it might be game over for his ride by the end of the year though but anyway uh, One can Steiner, only hope. Steiner said he's reluctant to impose team orders because Haas needs to focus on the cars and not the drivers. And as a manager, you know Absolutely. that anytime you allocate resources, be it mental, time, whatever, towards one thing, the other thing is going to, you know, falter a little bit or, you know, you have to take it away from somewhere, right? You have to yeah. take the time and focus away from somewhere. And he he's basically came out and said, yeah, but we need to be focusing on the car right now because these are two drivers that shouldn't be an issue, right? We need to fix the car, but instead we're getting distracted on the drivers. Quote was, I I need to think about it, but there are not many options. At some stage, something needs to be done. I normally try to avoid team orders. I like racing. I think that's what we should be doing, but if it always works against us, I can't keep letting it happen. We're lucky that nothing got damaged, but it could have happened again. It's a headache. It doesn't help to find a solution and i think that is in relation to the car uh we're lucky or excuse me uh it doesn't help to be constructive because because i'm thinking things i shouldn't be thinking about i should be thinking about everything else it's a lot going on and the more you can focus on the real issues the better it can be so i that's a very roundabout way of just basically saying I shouldn't have to be exhausting mental and time resources to sorting you two out. I should be having to be racking my brain about fixing this car. But instead, here we are with with you two. Sorry, lot. <laughs> and you know, it's again, it's refreshing honesty. Mm-hmm. I I really respect it. The fact that you know, you never wonder what Gunter Steiner's thinking. He's gonna tell you. He'll tell you. We put it through our handy-dandy, and I know that uh, Dylan has made mention that our translating machine is very impressive, and thank you. We really appreciate that. 101 ASPN was very kind to us. The budget for this show is incredible, really. I mean, it's so great, the support, Um, but it's, you don't have to put anything through it for Gunter. No. It's just, hey, that's what he means. All right. 
the one of the best quotes I've ever seen from him was last week when uh, he said uh, the two drivers, you know, crashed at Silverstone, and he said, or two weeks ago, and he said the only thing our drivers could do was bring two shovels to br- dig our hole even deeper. <laughs> I was like, I was like, that's not even telling us what's on your mind. That's just being like mean. blunt, yeah, blunt about it. He's being mean about it, and I, he should. Dare I say savage? And they, he's because they're paying them a lot of money. Yeah. Like, come on, guys. But, and and yeah. these are two names that theoretically shouldn't be causing me this much of a headache. No. Like, it's one thing if freaking, you know, Albon and Kvyat, you know, have a blow up. It, it's like you're Toro Rosso and blah, blah, blah. These are not those two drivers. No. But, <laughs> you know, yeah. it is uh, it is what it is, and I'm, I'm glad that, to see him make that mental shift. Mm-hmm. So. So uh, moving on, though, Sebastian Vettel had a pair of interesting quotes over the weekend. I think I think there's a couple. There's quite a bit of meat in both of these, but we'll start with the one I think has a little less meat on the bone. Uh, he slammed junior racing organizations over the week. Uh, he said, "I'm way too expensive." Um, he said, "Germans are quite straightforward with the way they spend their money, and unfortunately, junior racing, starting with karting through the series uh, after that, are I think way too expensive." Nico Hulkenberger and myself, we enjoyed each other in go-karts and racing each other. I think my background is not – I think that background is not that dissimilar. I think giving us the same chance today, our career would stop fairly soon because we wouldn't have the pocket money to do it. Basically saying, hey, if it's so expensive that I wouldn't be able to get in today. You know what happened? What? He just got married. His wife was talking about a kid, and then he got a load of the bill. And he's like <laughs> – what on God's green and purple earth are you talking about, Willis? <laughs> that is insane amounts of money to get into karting. Yeah. He's like, that is my entire Ferrari check, and Ferrari pays me well. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I think he has a point here to where it, it really sucks to, to know that, hey, we might have missed out on the next big thing because he couldn't afford to move on. He or she couldn't afford to move on. It's something that, as a hockey fan, I, I know I watch all the time because hockey is also – but expensive to get into, you know, like it's extremely expensive. It's ex- All the gear is expensive. I I um, sit on I sit on, and this isn't like a flex or anything, but I sit on my goalie gear. I have like two grand strapped on me, like, and it's not really all that great of goalie gear. Like right now, he's literally sitting here in, in full goalie, goalie gear. gear. Like Dylan and I have been wondering why he's been doing that, I'm but a, yeah, you guys he got are, his new jersey, so yeah. I guess he wanted to wear it. I well, I have my Nordiques jersey on. That is not a lie. <laughs> My new Quebec Nordiques jersey. I'm I'm excited. But anyway, it sucks to think that we might be missing out on the next great F1 driver because he or she couldn't afford to move on. But I also think that in some respects, racing has always been a rich man's sport. And even even NASCAR, to an extent, as much as they're, you know, the good old boys of the South, you look at the racers today, and there are a lot of rich kids from California. Dylan is a religious NASCAR fan. He'll be the first to tell you. Oh, it, yeah. It's become a pretty big problem. I mean, it's uh, NASCAR hasn't been spared from that. It's uh, it, A lot of the teams don't even have season-long sponsors anymore because it's so expensive for a, a, a company to get on board one of those cars for that long. So, I mean, even at the highest level, let alone at the lower levels, it's hard finding sponsorship, and the sponsorship's the only way that you're going to go racing. Tim? I mean, it's a, it's just a shame. I mean, I know that, um, you know, Lewis Hamilton's dad had to make incredible sacrifices for him to be able to um, race. And to think of a Formula One grid right now without Lewis Hamilton is horrible to me. That's a terrible thought. And because he's so 
he's a he's an elbows out great champion mm-hmm. and you know to think that there's a champion that we're passing up uh, that 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 breaks your heart yeah um i i get what he's saying and i really and i really do hope that it gets fixed i'm not a solutions guy i know i've said for hockey um it, it should move to the teams own a lot more of the gear than they do um much like how if you play football in the states uh, american gridiron football um and you go to play the teams actually own the pads that you play in and they own the helmets that you play in. And basically, you're basically paying for basic cleats, mm-hmm. really. Um, so it's not expensive to get in. So everybody can play. I said hockey should do that. I don't, there's no equivalent for that in karting, though. No. Because you, there's no teams. Like, karting is still very individual. Um, so the question is just how do you reduce the pr- cost of entry? And I don't have any ideas, but it, it really it, – it's something I don't want to think about is how many how much talent we might have. But if you do have some ideas, tweet them at us. Yeah, tweet them at us at Formation Lap One Hundred and One, and or at Tim STLF One. Yeah, completely open to new ideas and innovative solutions. Absolutely. Here's the real the real quote of the week. I'm anointing this a new title, quote of the week. Oh, uh-huh. uh, yeah. Uh, Sebastian Vettel. <clears throat> There's after the German GP. There is so much support and passion here. The GP must not be allowed to disappear. We should not go where F1 leaders, quote, open their pockets and receive a lot of money from governments. That This means we stop running on his, that, this means that we stop running on historical circuits. It's good to keep coming to Germany, to Great Britain. It's great that France has returned to the calendar. GPs like Spain and Germany should not be dropped. It's true that it's exciting to discover new places, but hey, I'm not the one in charge of the discipline, but it's short term to think about p- filling your pockets today instead of focusing on the health of the discipline and its future. Yikers. <laughs> I can't disagree with a single thing he's saying. No, no. I think that's that's some sober thought about the state of affairs. Yeah. And to and I agree, you know, a multi-billion dollar sport shouldn't be getting subsidized from governments. No. And here's the thing is I think you'll agree with me too. I, I don't have any problem with F1 saying, yeah, let's let's find a new place. Let's find a, a Baku. Let's find a, a China. Let's find a, a Vietnam or something. But we one, you shouldn't be getting a subsidy from the government. But two, you can't allow that to be on the backs of Great Britain, uh, of Germany. These are places – Germany is like – car mecca right like it's it's where motorsports or it's where not just motorsports it's where motors spiritual homes is um engineering engineering right you can't just i agree i'm okay with finding a vietnam okay i have no problem with that but you can't have that at the expense of these old historic circuits that really give the the spiritual home of f1 it's it's like it's it's like expanding an MLB team to Montreal and then contracting the New York Yankees. It's like I'm not against Montreal, but you're you're removing one of the things that makes the sport great. Dylan, yeah, it's it's really kind of a, a issue that's somewhat unique to Formula One. I mean, most other uh, forms of racing, they're not going to change a circuit up if the attendance is high. Most other uh, uh, motorsports they run based on attendance, and mm-hmm. Formula One doesn't really have a huge attendance problem, especially at, at some of these historic tracks. So it's it's interesting to see. I mean, it's not 
you look at, at NASCAR, you know, you have tracks where there's like 30,000 people there, where at one time they had 200,000 people there. <clears throat> Texas. Yeah, exactly. You know, and so those are the kind of situations where NASCAR is driving away from those tracks. Um, but it, it, it's, but there's it's interesting. A ju- I was going to say there's a justifiability of when a NASCAR leaves a um, – Let's say for some reason they take they move Bristol down to one date because Bristol you know doesn't sell very well anymore. There's a justifiability. They could say we're selling forty thousand tickets twice a year and we used to sell one hundred and sixty thousand tickets. We're gonna just get word we can't do that right. Like the right. the financials don't make sense. There's not a justifiability from what I saw in Germany. The amount of people paying, and mind you, F1 tickets are but expensive. I've been planning an F1 trip myself, and uh, they ain't cheap. No. <laughs> so you had so many people. You had great fan support. There's I, I, there's just not justifiability in that, right? It, it sucks that NASCAR has to move away from tracks, but you could go, I understand that. Right. I don't understand Formula One moving away. No. But, but uh, props – to it's Sebastian just, Vettel, though. That, yeah, that, I think that deserves a people's champ nod. A people's champ nod? Could it be? Coming up, we'll figure it out. We'll have awards, and uh, should we spoil the surprise? Let's do it. All right, so we have in our refrigerators the real reason Dylan is here. Dylan gifted us with rich energy drinks. <laughs> he somehow found <laughs> the only rich energy on the planet. <laughs> The taste of money laundering. <laughs> I'm excited. The, the, the question is, it was on Walmart, wasn't it? Yes. <laughs> yes, Midwest Supply Company was like the, the uh, intermediate that was selling on Walmart.com. Uh, this so, is, that's so I don't know how weird. they got it. And here's, and here's the key, too, is um, is Dylan bought it. What It was a, the Tuesday before the – that big Rich Energy story broke on Wednesday on the Wednesday of that week. He bought it the Tuesday of, right? Right. Literally the day we were sitting here talking to Todd about Rich yeah. Energy. Yeah. And then, yeah, and then <laughs> Dylan scored the Rich Energy. We were like, oh, why? yay, that's awesome. And then the next day we are like, wait, what? And now Rich Energy is now Lightning Volt Limited. So is there— No, there- no, no. It's being, it's being liquidated. You didn't, it's nothing now. Of course it's being liquidated. It, it's a drink. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> He's here all week. Tip your waitresses, ladies and gentlemen. Hey, I got jokes. Anyway, but uh, we might have the last cans of Rich Energy ever. This might be ever. I'm looking at it, and I can't believe I'm looking at it. So So thank you, Dylan. This was amazing. So not only will we be live drinking Rich Energy, but we'll be doing the hashtag Better Than Red Bull Challenge. It was produced (laughs) last year. Yes, we also have a can of Red Bull each. Yeah. The actual energy drink. So this will be interesting because Tim chugs Red Bulls. I do. It's I, bad. It's I, so bad. I have I have Mountain Dew basically once or twice a week. I am not addicted to caffeine. I'm not that kind of guy. I am horribly yeah. addicted. Hopelessly addicted. I have a Mountain Dew one and a half times a week, I'd say, on average. It's almost always right before this this podcast because I just the way it works out, my body gets tired right before we start. So I chug Mountain Dew. And so I I don't think I've ever had a Red Bull. If I'm being honest, wow, you're not going to sleep for the next two days. Yeah, no, I'm okay with that. <laughs> and Dylan, you said you were going to. You said you're well familiar with uh, Red Bull, right? Yeah, yeah. No, I, I you know, I uh, dabble with energy drinks. Sometimes <laughs> you got to treat yourself, you know. 
And so uh, this past weekend, I've been, uh, you know, I had a couple Red Bulls. That way I had that at the back of my palate. That way whenever I go into tasting this. Uh, you have a base. You know, Wait, we're not yeah, doing like a nose test, right? We're not doing like, oh, I smell there's, you know, a hint there's, of oak. Hint of, <laughs> there's, hint of cherry. It's quite terrible. Mm. That'd be impressive. I, I have a bucket over here impressive, that we can spit out into. Impressively terrible <laughs> is what it would be. Impressive. Lee Terrible. <laughs> I have a bucket we can spit out into if you guys are okay with that. Oh, that's oh, fancy. I was just say that's too fancy. These are energy drinks. Freak these up, baby. So Sorry, you- Dietrich Mattishitz. <laughs> it's an energy drink, bud. Like, <laughs> I, no disrespect to your product. I love your product. I love everything about it. But I'm not treating it like, you know, fine whiskeys. <laughs> But we have we have the Red Better Than Red Bull Challenge. We'll be doing that. We'll be kicking it over to awards right here on the Formation Lap on 101 ESPN. The Formation Lap with Luke and Tim. Welcome back to the Better Than Red Bull Challenge. Hashtag Better Than Red Bull. Oh, man. We, we have, I'm holding in my hand, in my left hand, a rich energy can. And in my right hand, a Red Bull can. And we are going to, they're, they're literally the same can. Are they not? Yeah, they are. Yeah, like this Except is... for the tab to the top, they are, for all intents and purposes, the same exact can. Now, that's not unusual. You do see, uh, you know, sometimes uh, energy drinks will have very similar packaging, but this is just straight up the same. The funny thing to me is that, uh, you know, they had total, total carbohydrates, um, They're like you know, the... 28 milligrams, and uh, this one has 27.8 milligrams. Oh, my God. It's You're like, being like that. It's like, like the, that was in the picture that you first sent right. us of it, but it's yeah. like it's so stupid. It's almost as if Red Bull like rounded up or down, and and um, Rich Energy just kind of uh, to be a put little the sneaky. Decimal. Yeah, a little sneaky. They're both say they're made in Austria, brewed in Austria. Uh, Rich says copyright uh, twenty fifteen. Rich D O O. I don't know what D O O stands for, but uh, there were also uh, Rich Energy was brewed uh, the tenth of. September 2018, and it goes bad the 10th of September 2020. So, um, like I said, the only difference between the tabs is that there's a little, the red bowl tab is blue and it has a little bowl cut out. Yeah. And that's, other than that, they're the same shape. Yep. Yeah. It, it is like, I, I am convinced this is the same. Yep. The same. All right, boys. Gotta be. Um, before we drank here, uh, just a quick word on how it was shipped. Dylan, you ordered a 12 pack, did you not? Uh, that, yeah. Yeah. Ooh, smell that. <laughs> You're doing the whiskey wow. sniff I, test. I am doing a whiskey sniff test. They what t- what smell notes a are bit. you picking up? Um, that, I, I don't know enough about wine. Anyway, but they shipped it in this package, and it was clearly a 24-pack, and they ripped it in half. Like someone with their bare hands. Go to our go to our Twitter, at FormationLap101, and it, it is it is on, we'll put it on there. But somebody literally just sawed in half the car- cardboard and taped it up. Like, this is how it was shipped. The, the the barcode is ripped in half on the plastic surrounding it. Which is, it's really strange. I used to work at a gas station in high school, and so whenever we'd get Red Bull and whatnot in, a lot of times it would come in in a 12-pack, and it was not, like, ripped. Yeah, yeah, it would come it's in old. a dedicated, I n- I've never seen packaging like that. What it's, kind of force would it take to rip that thing? That's, that's. You know, it's not precision uh, cut either. It is very jaggedly. It's cut. like someone just tore it in half. Yeah. They, that's how Gunter Steiner uh, remains yeah. sane. He just, so, comes he in just and rips, rips him in yeah. half <laughs> <laughs> out of frustration. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> All right, awesome. so um, I, I shall we do the Red Bull first, or should we do the Rich Energy first? 
Uh, let's do the rich energy. Start okay, rich energy palette. first. I, I want to start by saying that this smells just like a Red Bull. It yeah. really does. If, it if does. you were to put this under my nose and say, what is this? I would say it's, it's a Red Bull. So uh, three, two, one. Bottoms up, boys. Mm, that's interesting. Mm. I Like I said, I've never done a, a Red Bull. It's been a while since I've had leaded Red Bull. Um, it, you know, I do detect the taste of, like, some tinniness. It's... It, I, I will say that it tastes a lot like Red Bull, but it doesn't have as much pop at the end. Yeah, the the aftertaste isn't as strong. It's it, like it's like they took Red Bull, added just a hint to it, and then put it back. Yeah, it. That's exactly what they've done. They've changed it slightly, like well, their their vitamins and stuff. They've had they have a boatload more uh, vitamin B six, uh, a little bit more uh, pantothenic acid. Let's see about the. Uh, it is. It's almost. They like, have a hundred and twenty percent more vitamin B twelve. We are going to be up for days. Jesus. Um, niacin is up twenty five percent. So they just took this, put a lot more vitamins in it, like had the heavy duty stuff, and that was it. Um, don't think they had the guts to put the taurine in it. Uh, that's a staple ingredient in the Red Bull. No, they did. Oh my God! They did. They put the taurine in it. So, so this is just they just put a little bit more vitamin B kick in this. So and they, that's it. they basically they basically bought red brought a Red Bull can painted it black said I'm gonna put some stank in here and then call it something entirely different. Yep, that's exactly what they did. Fe- feelings, Dylan, about the same? It, yeah, it's a little bit less flavorful. I feel than Red Bull. Yeah, it is. You know, and that's not me being biased. I mean, I wanted this to be exactly the same. I really wanted this to taste. Exactly the same as Red Bull, but it's, it's it, a little off. It is obvious it's a different drink. Kind of. Like it, it's obvious. To, it's obvious that there's it's a different a really, taste. It's a really, really bad imitation, or or it's a straight up forgery. But I'll say, if I had you know unknowingly opened this up right, and I thought this was Red Bull, I don't know that I would have noticed the difference, especially if I hadn't had a Red Bull in a, in a long time. Like I. I think I would believe you that it was Red Bull. Yeah, like a like a stale Red Bull, like something it's been on the shelf a little too long. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's a good point. It does taste almost like that. Uh, yeah, like they like they just left it on. Like this is it could be old Red Bull. It it could be. That I mean, it, the production date a little is bit pretty old. I mean, almost a year. Yeah, but. At the same time, they that could have just be when they acquired it. It may not have been when they brewed it, right? Because this I, tastes like Red Bull that's been sitting for too long, right? The aftertaste is what gets me because it almost tastes like metal. It's like a metally aftertaste. Yeah, it really has a punch. Yeah. Um, <coughs> Can I just say that it bums me out that Toro Rosso is not sponsored by sugar-free Red Bull? Uh, yeah, totally. I wish they would that do that. Good pull. You yeah. know? Oh my god, that'd be awesome. The fully leaded Red Bull. The f- the sugar-free Red Bull. Yeah, they're like the raisin brand to Red Bull's raisin brand crunch. <laughs> like their colors are lighter. They're they're almost there, but not quite. You know, I love that. Uh, so as we continue to sip our rich energy drinks, uh, which is great because I was starting to drag a little bit. Yeah, we'll have uh, we have some we have some awards to get to. Uh, we're gonna start with the wreck of the week. Uh, it's time for the wreck of the week. Dylan, do you want to nominate? Or do you want to put up our first nomination? 
Uh, yeah, personally, I would like to nominate Dylan Bassett. Um, oh. In the NASCAR Xfinity series. Oh, explain um, yourself. So uh, he, in, in summary, he hit a sweeper truck. Um, <laughs> nice. Very similar to the uh, Juan Montoya incident Juan uh, a few years back. Juan Pablo. Juan Pablo. Um, yeah, so uh, a car lost an engine and put a lot of fluid on the track, so they brought out the uh, Speedy Dry, and then they had the sweeper out. Well, the the sweeper was going on the apron. There was a lot of Speedy Dry down there, and it kicked up a massive cloud of dust. They opened the pit lane, so the cars were on the apron that were going to come into the pit road, but they got enveloped by this massive cloud of dust, and uh, Dylan Bassett was the unfortunate soul that uh, met the sweeper truck first. Smacked right into the sweeper truck. Uh, I, Gateway. I was working at, at Worldwide Technology Raceway at Gateway, uh, and uh, we had a lot of we had a lot of talks about that because, <laughs> you know, we all pay attention to racing there at Worldwide Technology Raceway, and uh, we had a lot of laughs about this this poor soul. Um, Tim, would you like to nominate our next one? I would. I am quickly responding to uh, a tweet that we got. Oh, you um, got a tweet. I, I got a tweet. Uh, thank you, Outlap F1 Podcast. Uh, for praying for us um, <laughs> with uh, our, our our rich energy extravaganza. Oh, man. We, um, you guys just got a shout out. <laughs> but <laughs> um, but uh, I am going to nominate Renault. Oh, Renault. Renault, a double DNF, definitely not what you want. Kind of a rough one, especially when everybody else uh, finish really, really well. Your main competitors, you're supposed to be the might of a manufacturer. And then the 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 final piece de resistance for your French uh weekend was wrecking the truck. Good <laughs> lord. That's just yeah, that is that is everything that could did go wrong. Uh um I will nominate uh Pierre Gasly. Gasly we say it every week that Gasly might have put the nail in the coffin, but Gasly might have put the nail in no, the coffin. No, Gasly did not put the nail in the coffin. He put Kvyat it, he, did. He, he, Kvyat put the nail in his coffin of that drive, uh, but at least he went out with a bang. P14 with a DNF, quite literal bang. That's about as – literally he finished uh, P14. That's as low as all the classifications get. He should have been not classified, but he was at P14. And it went boosh into the back of – Albon, yeah. <laughs> you wrecked the minor leaguer in his first wet F1 race who was handing you your hat. Oh, Gasly. Uh, Sorry, yes. pal. Uh, Pierre Gasly. Uh, we have another one. Uh, I'll go Mercedes. There's a worse way to celebrate the anniversary of your team than a DNF and a 10th place finish. 10th place, by the way, only because of those two <laughs> alpha penalties. Uh, you had to penalize your way into the points. They they cosplayed as people in the 1950s, and they went about as fast as people in the 1950s. <laughs> uh, you look, Gunter, uh, uh, not Gunter Steiner, excuse me. Toto Wolf had these suspenders on the whole time. You, you had the most mediocre throwback livery I've seen in a long time. It was just meh. Yikes, Mercedes! That was a weekend to forget. Do we have any other? Uh, nominees, because we're taking all nominees here. Joseph Newgarden. Joseph Newgarden. Joseph Newgarden uh, spinning on the last lap. It wasn't lap. really a wreck, but, I mean, it was a costly spin. Yeah, he spun on the last lap at Mid-Ohio and let Rossi and Pagano pass him. <laughs> and uh, it just made a whole new, a whole new uh, 
angle to this uh, to this fight, this title fight we see in IndyCar. All right. Um, I've got one. Oh, boy. The 24 hours at Spa. Oh, that was a total disaster. The, it, we have it, so but many it wasn't, enemies this week. I was going to say, it was the rain. It, it was did. just too much rain in Belgium. Oh. I would say the wreck is not the race, but the rain. Oh, the stupid It rain. did not add the fun stuff that it got in F1 in Germany. It just made everything worse. Right. Um, so, uh, but yeah, I, I'm glad that the stewards decided to call, uh, the red flag on that one and suspend proceedings. Hopefully we'll be back to see it next year because their feed was awesome. Oh, uh, they're, on they're, their, their YouTube feed was legit. Was, it was wonderful. I didn't get any buffering. I didn't get any of that. The commentary was really, really great. Um, but I will save that part for later. Uh, so I will go first. I will eliminate our first person. Uh, the elimination eliminations aren't in any particular order. You can hear me speeding up talking now mm. uh, because you know again, not exactly a caffeine He's guy. He's rattling out of his chair. It's adorable. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> I was just say as a caffeine uh, addict. Yeah. Oh, look at you. <laughs> I, I put away a twenty of these at least. I am, like a twenty ounce. Oh my goodness. The, the big Mac Daddy. Ugh. All right, I will eliminate our first. Um, our first person, I'm going to eliminate Mr. Mr. Hits the, hits the sweeper. And here's why. All right. Is because in wreck of the week, I feel like we want to punch somebody. We want to punch somebody while they're down. And granted, you could punch this guy, punch him while he's down, but it was an understandable mistake. That was a huge dust cloud. And it was right in front. Uh, it was right on the apron. It was right in front of him. I feel like as all of the bad things go, that was the most understandable somebody had to do somebody was going to do it yeah and that was a low budget team that was having a really good run so that's just a bummer through and through mm, yeah. yeah i actually think that i'm going to make a proposal gentlemen what's our proposal that we suspend proceedings because we all know who the wreck of the week is oh it's renault dylan would, would you second this proposal yeah i got to agree i mean that's <laughs> catastrophic <laughs> yeah, renault. the truck was sticking out of the woods <laughs> The, and and no, nobody else. It was them. You know, the the engine went bang. The car went off the track and wrecked. Then the then the truck wrecked. No, there there's yeah. nobody else. It was you. It was you, Renault. Yeah, I'm I'm and I'm you had one of my favorite all time drivers. Come on, I'll third it. Yeah, Renault, a double DNF. It's not what you want, especially when Toro Rosso Racing Point and McLaren finished in three through five. You could have been on the. Podium. You could have been on the podium. Instead, you wreck your weekend, you wreck your truck, you wreck your engines, and you bring even more question marks around if your factory is even worth worth two craps. Like honestly, uh Renault, congratulations. Congratulations, Renault. That's one of the worst weeks I've ever seen. Oh, good. Now good on night. to a more pleasant award. Do you hear that? Do you hear that? I think it's time for the people's Champion! Ah! Every time. It's every time. Beautiful. <laughs> you guys got to see the waveform for this sucker. Look at yeah, this. Say, it's, look, it's look, look at that. Oh, yeah. my. You can see it right. Yeah, it's beautiful. <laughs> anyway, uh, the people's champion. It's basically the word of who we feel like is um, deserving of exactly what it says on the ten. The champion of the people. What the people want to see. I have three suggestions here, but by far we have a ton of, of nominees. This week is just huge. It's with been nominees. great. 
Yeah. The tractor driver over in turn 16 <laughs> near the drag strip. Thank you. Dylan uh, brought this one up. Dude earned his paycheck. My word. He pulled so many cars out of there. He was doing a phenomenal job. And even in the cool down room, they said, I didn't expect him to clear the track that fast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, because his part of the track dried out. He was going back and forth so much. Yeah. The tractor was the only guy who had grip on the, on the freaking drag strip out there. It's a nice tractor, too. Oh, it was a good tractor. So uh, the tractor's my nominee, Tim. Uh, my nominee is actually uh, for the same, the person that you have listed here, uh, but for a different reason, so I will give both. Sebastian Vettel, last to second on one of the most insane races we've seen in a long time with one of the most seasoned drives we've seen in a long time, one of the best drives we've seen out of him in a year. Um, but also for him sticking up and saying that, you know, F1 shouldn't be asking governments for money. Yeah. And that we should, you know, be looking for true racing and, you know, coming up with, uh, you know, ways to have everybody who has a raw talent be able to drive uh, as a kid and really nurture that talent coming up. Um, he, I, I think, you know, for me, that that is my people's champion. Dylan, do you have any, any extra nominees? The rain. Oh. The beautiful rain. It always delivers, doesn't it? Oh, it does, except <laughs> when it delivers too much. Um, Hashtag spa. <laughs> and, and you and I are both Daytona refugees from oh, the 24 my hours, so I sympathize with those people at spa. Oh, yeah. It must have been brutal. Yeah, we went to I the— could, I, would, I would love to camp in the forest <laughs> around spa and, and go to those races, but that would have been brutal. Well, well you— You'll you'll come with Daytona to us next year. Oh, it's it'll all be right. fine. Yeah, it's we'll go. Right. It'll be great. Yeah, it'll be great. Uh, it's not exactly in the forest. It's in the basically the parking lot outside of Turn Four, but it's close enough. It's Americans Forest. It yeah. is. That's right. We have jungles of parking lots. Tim, do you have any extra nominees? Uh no, guys. I think that's going to be I, it for me. I'm going to nominate Daniel Kvyat as a people's that's champion. A good he poll. gave. He gave. Birth, or he didn't give birth. That would, <laughs> yeah. His wife gave birth to uh, his child, and he got on the podium. And he was just grinning from ear to ear. And the is culmination there, of his career. Yeah. Is there a better weekend for a, a man on earth than that right there? That's great. It was impressive. Yeah. yeah. All right. So uh, let's eliminate things, shall we? Uh, Dylan, you get the first elimination. I have to eliminate the tractor driver. Um, it, That's it, fair. It it pains me, but um, you know he did a valiant effort. But uh, he just he did his job, and it was solid. But uh, it wasn't anything too spectacular. There were there were better stories this week. Yeah, he mm. was there though. He good was there. good mention though. Yeah, he deserves the mention for yeah. sure. Um, me, I am going to eliminate the rain. That's a fair. That's because fair. while it delivered some really cool racing in F one. It ruined Spa. That's fair. Yeah. That's fair. I, it might have been honestly the same, the same system. It probably was. Like, but based on my sad. barely laughable, not my laughable knowledge of European geography, and, <laughs> and it was one of those like I was ready for it. I'd had a little bit of coffee, had another pot brewed, yeah. ready to rock and roll, and an insulated uh, French press, ready to rock and roll. I told my wife, "I'm staying up and watching the race." She's like, "You're an idiot," but that's okay. <laughs> um, and then. Yeah, rain. So I just yeah. went to bed. There, it was brutal for me too. Uh, Gateway uh, or Worldwide Technology Raceway, the drag strip. Uh, sh- we had a bad wreck, so we had went really late till like four a.m. and it just ended up like we were there till four a.m. and the only thing that was on to keep me entertained was. Uh, you can't go back to the rich energy after you've had the Red Bull. You can't. 
<laughs> no, it's awful. <laughs> God. <sighs> Try it. Yeah, it's really flat. <laughs> like you have you drink the Red Bull and then drink the Rich. Yeah, that's not Oh. Yeah. Mm. That's bad. Yeah, that's that's real bad. Yeah, I know. All right. Anyway, so, but it was about 4 a.m. The only thing that was on was spa while we're waiting for these, you know, uh, drag racers to come back. And we're talking like 20 minutes of downtime between runs and it's 4 a.m. And I'm like, at least spa's on. And it wasn't. It was just a rain delay. And I'm like, that's an ultimate disappointment. Um, yeah. So uh, the rain's eliminated. So I think it's Sebastian Vettel versus Daniel Kvyat. We're going to have to. Are we going to argue over this? Are we going to argue over this? Oh, it's like that. Is it? Is oh, it like all right, that? all right. Well, I would. I'm going to make the the argument for Sebastian Vettel. Okay. Um, because while Daniel Kvyat, that was such a cool story. You know, I'm a huge fan of it. I I I'm rooting for the guy. I really hope he gets that Red Bull seat as soon as possible. Um, it's a culmination of his career and his story. Sebastian Vettel has that element of he's lobbying and actively going out in the press and putting his own neck on the line, lobbying for the people, mm-hmm. lobbying for the health of the sport, for the good of everything. And he had a great story. He put his yips aside that you added, you know, you uh, perfectly summed up as the yips um, several weeks ago. He, he came back and he's uh, giving us a great, great show and he's lobbying on behalf of fans. So you just swayed me. Let me let me let me let me pitch pitch this to you. Uh, for for a man, many would say that the that the best moment of their lives is either getting married or and then uh, what over the only thing that overtakes that is the birth of their child, right? So you see a man who's on top of the world, and then you see a man who gets on the podium and and just has the culmination of his career. As I almost spill my Red Bull. Just the culmination I of his hope career. Your boss doesn't listen to the show. And, <laughs> and in and in in just a world of negative things, even Sebastian Vettel is, is taking the you know taking the drama into this, and it's nice to just have a refreshing human moment, a human positive. It it's just good to see somebody. There are no drawbacks on this. Sebastian Vettel is slamming this, is slamming Formula One, he's slamming the cost of this. Sometimes I don't want to see people slam organizations. Sometimes I just want to see a guy having legitimately the best weekend of his life. Adjudicator, what is your verdict? <clears throat> well, I disagree with the slamming thing because in true American spirit, I like uh, uproar. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Vettel is still my vote. Uh, did, I, did, did I even move the meter on you? On me? Uh, a little. I, I liked how uh, impassioned you were about it. Okay. That was actually that was actually a really good argument. I was actually a little worried there. I'm like, shoot, that Dylan's gonna have a, an issue here. All right, for the record, um, I was going to cede to to you anyway, Tim. Oh, sorry, right. sounds good. <laughs> yeah. So congratulations to our people's champion, Sebastian Vettel. Round of applause. Congratulations. Great job. Great job. So it's time for our final award, the best thing you saw all week. You know what I need is like. A nice jingle for the best thing you saw all week. I'll get on that. We'll get a, we'll get a jingle, a musical jingle. Sounds good. Tim, the best thing you saw all week. The best thing I saw all week. Try not to be broad enough by just saying the German GP to take it from everyone. <laughs> no, I, I'm actually not going to go to Formula One. 
Okay, what are you going to? I'm going to spa. Okay. The the announcers who had to carry the feed all night without racing. Oh. Hats off to them. That's the best thing I saw all week. You, to uh, just fill the space with mm-hmm. talking about the track, talking about, you know, uh, how much water was getting downpoured, what all the teams were doing. Some of them were, had the cars up on jacks. Some of them didn't. They explained why. They explained what camber kind of was around the track, what kind of stuff you want, what kind of setups you want to do. And then they talked about the history of the track. And, you know, spa as a as a general um, area, I thought it was really, really cool. And my hat was off to him. That's hard. Same. Same. I got to say, uh, I've said this before. One of my winter jobs is play-by-play for hockey. And game recognized game, boy. Yeah, <laughs> like, 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 like that, that is not easy when the, you're struggling for material. And, you know, the St. Louis Cardinals kick to pre-done programming when mm-hmm. they have rain delays. They don't bother with that. Those guys stayed live. They're on a live and stream, yeah. A live stream, which, by the way, was still, I, it has to be said over and over again, that stream was awesome. Mm-hmm. Whoever set that up with Total was and YouTube was phenomenal. It looked uh, every bit on par uh, with ESPN. I felt so, like I was watching the future of the way a lot of motorsports are going to be broadcast. I hope so. Because I'm excited. Spa, Nurburg, you know. I, Sign me up. Yeah. Um, the only thing I could think that wouldn't wouldn't use that in the future are the series like NASCAR, IndyCar, Formula One. Other than that, I think you're looking at the future of broadcasting for a lot of these series. And, hey, it's cheaper for them, and the quality can be better, and mm-hmm. I'm all for it. Yep. Uh, best thing you saw all week, Dylan? Uh, it's got to be two things. First is Joseph Newgarden's spin. Not because I have anything against him, but the, that that championship fight is really exciting, and it's going to come down to the line. And Rossi was having kind of a flat day. Dixon was Scott Dixon. You know, they <laughs> he managed to find a way to the front. Um but the the fact that Newgarden that spun there at the end, that guy's just amazing. Oh, he's phenomenal, and it, yeah. So that made the uh, championship close up, and uh, that's going to be exciting. Also, looking at the NASCAR schedule ahead. Yes, you want to talk about this? Phenomenal. This is awesome. So this Wednesday, uh, the NASCAR Truck Series is racing at Eldora, which is a dirt oval. Um, that there, the trucks are very similar to the trucks that you see on the pavement tracks, but with modified tires. Um, it's one of the few series in the world that does road courses, ovals, and dirt ovals. Yeah. Um, you have the Cup Series and the Xfinity Series racing at Watkins Glen. Uh, then the week after that, the Xfinity Series is racing at Mid Ohio, and then the Truck Series. I don't know if it's the the following week, but they're going to be at Mosport. Yeah. And that produces amazing finishes. So if even if you are not a NASCAR fan, watching the, the watching stock cars on a uh, road course is amazing. They have an H pattern gearbox. That's not something you see a lot anymore. And so it's really old school, and it's a blast. It's like watching a bunch of like bricks try and muscle their like. You see these sports cars, and we see this at Daytona, and they like artfully navigate their way through these turns. And these guys are just like, no, nah, we're gonna just barrel through it. It's like it. They fight it. Yeah. I mean, they, they get out of the cars, and they are exhausted. There's there's nothing artful or graceful about it. It's just a fight, and it, it's it's really it's really fun to watch. Um, the cool thing about Eldora, too, is you see a lot of just local dirt track racers who just literally are like, I'm going to buy a three-year-old truck, and I'm going to enter, and they legitimately have a shot at they winning do. this. Yeah. That's awesome. Uh, so it's it's cool. Uh, Eldora is going to be one of the coolest things you'll see all week if, if you – 
Go watch that. I would encourage you all to watch that, even over in Europe. I know we have a lot of listeners over in the Netherlands. Uh, it, it's actually really fun. If you want to watch a really unique slice of, like, Americana, it, it's it's really cool. It's a blast. Uh, best thing I saw all week. Do, 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 do. Uh, I'm just, I'm just going to say the entirety of racing for the weekend. I, I know it's so broad. I told you not Didn't to be broad. Didn't you just say Shut that, up. that you just set that rule? Yeah, okay. Then, I was I was uh, I'm going to I'm going to I you see here's the thing is I wanted to go with the new garden spin. Mm. But I couldn't. Uh we just mentioned Scott Dixon. <laughs> we just mentioned Scott Dixon so I couldn't say Scott Dixon. I made I made a tweet uh about, you know, Scott Dixon missing the fast six in qualifying and it's really going to hurt his odds for the championship is what I would say if it was any driver other than Scott Dixon. Um, and then he goes on to win the race. Uh, I Just the IndyCar race was so good. The, the Formula One race was so good. It was just a good week, man. Like It was, it was, it was a good week to be a fan. It was a good week to be a fan. And hey, of, we've got hungry coming up. Uh, hungry, you know, okay. So we'll 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 wrap this up. Uh, but I just wanted to leave on this note. Hungry is actually one of my favorite tracks to drive on any sim. It is a fun track. <laughs> Unfortunately, it doesn't produce great racing. But you know what's in this? You know what's in the schedule for Hungry? I think rain. I think they're they might rain in Hungry. Oh, God help <laughs> the F one. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, this has been the Formation Lap. I'm Luke. I'm Tim. I'm Dylan. And uh, we will see you guys next week. Holiday tips and fun facts from Paul, Kristen, and Dexter at Total Wine & More. Did you know there are over 10,000 wine grape varieties worldwide? Here's to thousands of gift possibilities. My go-to holiday wine is Chardonnay. I love it with turkey and potatoes. Pile on the gravy. Let me show you our more than 8,000 party-perfect wines that are in your budget and out of this world. Whether you're entertaining or just bringing the wine, we'd love to share our always low prices and ridiculous selection with you this holiday. Now offering same-day delivery at TotalWine.com. Cheers. At Metro, the best deal in wireless is on. Switch to Metro and get one full Amazon Prime membership included every month. Plus, get two free phones from top brands like Samsung and LG with huge HD screens. All with two lines for just 90 bucks. That's the best deal in wireless, only at Metro. Plus sales tax and activation fee. Requires port and of eligible number not currently active on T-Mobile Network or active on Metro in past 90 days. Limit four per account or household. Offer subject to change. Offer valid for new Amazon Prime members. Amazon Prime has a $12.99 per month value. Restrictions apply. See store for details and terms and conditions. Hey everybody, Ross Tucker from the Ross Tucker Football Podcast and the Even Money Sports Betting Podcast. And I'm here to give you my thoughts on week 12 in the NFL so that you can go to betonline.ag, sign up for a free account, use the promo code PODCAST1, and get the 50% welcome bonus. What a slate of games. Let's start with the Houston Texans, Indianapolis Colts. Colts are getting three and a half points. I'll take them. Thank you very much. Then we get to Sunday. How about the Eagles and the Seahawks? Should be an epic game. I think you got to take the Seahawks getting the points, right? The way they're playing right now. Cowboys, Patriots. It does not pay to bet against the Patriots, but I'm going to do it anyway. I'm taking the Cowboys, getting the six and a half points. I think they actually might win the game. Then Sunday night, it's the Niners and the Packers. Stop me if you've heard this one before. I am taking the points. Green Bay Packers. All four marquee matchups on Sunday, as well as, or all three on Sunday, as well as Thursday night, I am taking the points, and you should take that advice 
to betonline.ag and use the promo code podcast one because they are your online sportsbook experts.